The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. If you could describe your company's culture in just one word, what would that word be? In episode 11, join us in the arena as we talk about the evolution of workplace culture. Hey listeners, welcome to In the Arena. I'm Jackie Goldberg. And I'm Leah Smart. And today we are sitting with Noelle Fakuri, the Senior Manager of Employee Experience at LinkedIn. Hi, everyone. Hi, Hi, So good to be with you today. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to have Noelle with us. What we're going to do is dive into her experience with workplace culture, what builds a culture up, what breaks it down, and where culture is headed. But before that, we want to give a little context to how culture at work has changed over the years. Yeah, and we love to do some research, bring in some articles whenever we can. Uh, And this is a fascinating topic. So we found a few enlightening articles, but one in particular I really want to call out. It was from Business Insider and a pretty recent article, I believe, is from October 2018. If you want to look it up, it's called The Progression of Office Culture from the 50s to Today. In addition to really great content, there's amazing photos from the 50s, 60s, 70s of all different aspects and takes from office culture. But what we really found was that the largest shifts that have affected office culture were four in particular. Diversity in the workplace, office design and layout, the flattening of organizations in terms of hierarchy, and of course, technology. So none of these are particularly shocking, but I feel like when they're combined, you get a sense of how this really created change in the workplace. So highly recommend that article for our listeners. And one quote in particular, which I think is why we are here today, that I just want to call out is, and this is from the article, is organizational culture became a hot topic for research in the 1980s, owing to the notion that culture has a powerful impact on the organization's outcomes and its success. And this is why it's such a critical topic and why we wanted to talk about it today. So with that, I want to introduce, formally introduce, Noelle Fakori. So Noelle has been with LinkedIn for almost five years now. She started her career at NBC Universal, spent four years there in the talent space, and then moved to LinkedIn as an onboarding, learning, and employee experience specialist. Today, she is the senior manager of employee experience and has helped build and scale LinkedIn's culture. And we are so lucky to have her here. We are super lucky. One of the exciting things. Noelle, I mean, I've been here for for quite a while at LinkedIn. We both have. Just looking back on how much of the culture you've built. So uh, this person is really, I mean, a title is a title, but you've done so much here and your fingerprints are everywhere. So it's just incredible to be able to sit with you and hear more of of the amazingness that you are and the team that you've built. So if you want to just do a quick kind of 30 second download on who you are, we'll uh, let everybody get more information on you. Well, thank you for having me, team. And it's so good to chat with you as well as our listeners. I have to say, I am culture obsessed. I've been in this space for a while. It's constantly evolving. And I'm so excited to get to share a little bit of the experience and knowledge that will hopefully inspire anybody listening, whether they're a leader, whether they're an individual contributor, or just somebody who also cares deeply about culture. So a little bit about me. I have been in the talent space for the last eight years, 
started in PR and then really decided I wanted to shift the energy that comes with PR in terms of packaging these experiences, creating an emotional response to something, and bring it into an everyday employee's life. So I sit on a team. I lead an incredible team of five that's across our LinkedIn organization between Dublin, Bangalore, Bay Area, New York, and beyond. And we show up every day with one responsibility. And that's to create an exceptional employee experience for every employee at LinkedIn. And so we spend a lot of our time not just working with employees, but really designing programs that fuel our culture and bring it to life every day. So this place doesn't feel just like work. So I've been doing that at LinkedIn in different capacities for the last five years. When I started, I was doing strictly onboarding. So I met every single new hire that we hired for three years, which was great because I could walk into an elevator and just start performing icebreakers and everybody (laughs) knew what they were going to get into with me. Uh, But then it really started to shift into from day one, how do we consistently build this experience and this promise beyond? So I feel very fortunate to have one of the greatest jobs in the world and get to create an employee experience that's really meaningful magical. You really do. And we're so lucky to have people here that are focused on making this an amazing place to work. I love it. Yeah. Thank you so much for for sharing. And to our listeners, I'm sure you can feel Noelle's energy just through the the fourth wall. Um, That is the energy that she brings every day to our company. So want to jump into something that we love to do here, which is speed dating questions for Ooh, our okay. visitors. <laughs> Get ready. Uh, ready. So if you're ready to jump into the arena with us for a little bit, we'd love to to have you do that. Game so just on. a few, five or so questions. So really quickly, what did you do last weekend? Oh, I had the best weekend last weekend. So I'm the oldest of five. My brother, who's right in the middle, four girls, one boy, he's right in the middle. He's been in New York for the last year. I had him in New York for 365 days, and it was the only time I've ever had direct family in New York. And so he's moving to Denver uh, for residency. He's the smarty pants of the family. So Mm -hmm. we spent all weekend just checking things off his New York bucket list. So it was a great weekend. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. I just want to know what's one thing on the bucket list. Oh, my gosh. Have you heard of Sedell's? I've lived here for eight years and Bagels, I've never heard of Sedell's. white fish. Yeah, so you get this crazy plate of all different types of fish and then unlimited bagels that they make right underneath you and unlimited cream cheese. And I don't even like, I came strictly for the bagels, uh, but ended up exploring into the fish space. But it just, it's not only for the gram, it's very much for like the full, <laughs> for the life, for the life experience. Yeah, yes, exactly. Highly recommend yeah, that incredible, incredible. Right, I'm obsessed with bagels, so that's going Done. on my bucket list. Mm-hmm. All right, and then who inspired you? I would have to say the first person who always comes to mind is my mom. My mom is remarkable. The minute she turned 50, she decided she wanted to be 15 again, and she basically started building the list of everything she wanted to do in her life after having five kids. So she's done everything in the last 10 years from author her own book all the way to like start her own consulting firm, getting her MBA. She like constantly is competing with me as an older sister more than a mom. So we share <laughs> (laughs) ideas and we compete in a friendly way back and forth, but she is truly completely remarkable and completely her authentic self. It's just beyond energizing. She sounds amazing. We may need to invite Noelle's mom (laughs) on this podcast one day. Yeah, and you'll like her more. You'll phase me out immediately. (laughs) It happens every single time. Yeah, Great. So Noelle, what was your favorite game to play as a kid? I would have to say 
My mom forced me to do every activity growing up, but like game, like the place where I was always on was soccer. I played soccer competitively growing up, was the only girl on an all-boys travel team, which was interesting because you're much taller than all the boys, so you demand (laughs) a little bit of respect through that. But then I moved on to an all-girls team, and everything that I know about teamwork, I learned at a very young age from soccer. Very cool. And what's your zodiac sign? Oh, Virgo. And I don't know if I am a Virgo. I am a Virgo, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, why'd you sound sad about it? Well, I feel like every time I read the Virgo, like, Zodiac info, I don't agree with it. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't love animals, which is a terrible thing to say out loud. I, like, am one of those people that it's like, you're very shy. You hate the spotlight. And it's like, I don't think you've met me. (laughs) So, But there are parts of, like, compassion and being very human-centric and oriented that I identify with. So, Mm. Virgo. We might need to check your rising sign. Oh. There's some other things. There we go. Okay. I feel some other things there. Inform Yeah. We'll go a little deeper there another time. And last question, what is your favorite book? Favorite. It's a tough one. I'd say my favorite book of all time, I don't know if it's a good answer, but I love it, is Hunger Games. I became Mm. obsessed with Hunger Games. I even started to do Hunger Games-themed birthday parties in my 20s. I, like, (laughs) literally outsourced my birthday to, like, a coworker, and basically I had, like, 20-plus friends show up in districts. We turned it into a full field day. There was a winner at the end. So the books very much turned into a more positive version of reality for me, but that's probably an all-time favorite. That's like such a great connector to knowing that you go all in. I'm like, no, oh, my God, it goes all in on all things. Yeah. So, Everything's oh, an experience cool. with yeah. me. There's always got to be a wow factor. Love so, it. yeah. Cool. Great. Awesome. So let's dive in and, and learn a little bit more. Um, you know, in your introduction, you shared a little bit about what this work means to you, um, but would love for you to, to share a little bit deeper around uh, specifically what about this work is meaningful to you and how do you bring that into your work every day? So I first officially got into the culture space back in 2014 when I joined LinkedIn. And I remember in 2014, the first place that I actually heard about it is Merriam-Webster Dictionary released this announcement that in 2014, culture was the most popular word that was used for the year. And I think it's just going to continue to grow and grow Mm. as we know today. And I first heard the term culture, and it didn't mean a lot back in like 2010, 11, 12, the way it does today. And the way I like to think about culture is culture is the sum of every experience that you have as an employee. It's everything from the environment to your manager to the resources to the people and the personality that you get to work with. But I think the powerful thing for companies to remember and realize and for as individuals who are constantly seeking to make sure they're loving where they're working is that culture is unique and different wherever you go. Mm -hmm. Some places have great cultures. Some places have cultures that are probably a little bit in progress. Every company is at a different place in a stage, whether they're building, they're shifting, they're scaling, they're evolving, and everybody contributes to culture. And I think the important thing for companies, leaders, employees, candidates to know is that your culture, it's capable of being your complete differentiator. It's the personality. It's the spirit. It's what people leave and what they talk about. And culture doesn't only exist. And it's not only the responsibility of a leader or a manager or a CEO. It's everyone. And I think for me, I am so deeply focused on people and their experience and making sure that everyone has this incredible time at work because we spend so much dang time at work Mm -hmm. that you want to love it when you're here. 
you want to be able to love it when you leave. And I think why I'm most passionate is because I know that culture is a living, breathing thing that can evolve, and you can be responsible for shaping it and con- contributing to it in a really positive way. And that's not only what I do and I get paid to do, luckily, every single day, but I then get to kind of ignite this inspiration in other employees so they're actively contributing and evolving and maximizing what our culture is. And that's possible at any company. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons we were so excited to talk to you as I'm listening to you speak about all of this is also just how do we empower people who are in cultures that are in progress, that are, you know, in smaller companies where maybe there isn't an employee experience team and people are thinking as individuals, how do we build this up? So I'm really excited to just hear more and dive in deeper with you about what you can offer to people after having done this for the past, you know, four and a half, five years. Yeah. So part of our kind of transition and, and curiosity as you talked about the the in-progress culture, if you could share sort of an example and, and help us think through what are the things that help build a culture up, mm. so make it a really strong culture, whatever the unique personality of that company is, yeah. and then what are some things that break it down? Yeah. I think from a building up perspective, we'll start with the positive. So from a building up perspective, Culture has the ability to live in every stage of the employee life cycle. And if that sounds too HR focused, basically what that means is it means that every single touch point that you go through as an employee, you're experiencing a company's culture. And whether you're a talent leader or you're a hiring manager or you're a candidate and an everyday individual, like you have the opportunity to build that culture or take away from it and contribute to it in different ways. And when I like to think about that life cycle, because it means that your culture gets to come through in every way, from the way that you attract your talent, that promise that you set during recruitment, to how you live up to that promise in their day one onboarding and their first 90 days and beyond. Like, how do you deliver that first impression and deliver on that promise? All the way through, if you look through the learning and development opportunities, how you maximize someone's growth, what culture programs you offer so they can step away from their desk, all the way to when they leave and become alumni, from the minute they're hired till they leave, there's an opportunity for them to become constant advocates for your culture. And I think part of what a lot of folks do and leaders will do is they'll put so much emphasis on like, we need funding or we need resources or we need programming. When in reality, probably the most powerful asset you have is right in front of you. It's by the plenty and it's completely free to tap and it's your people. And so what I've seen a lot of companies do, and we do this at LinkedIn, and for our listeners, some of your companies may have this already, or I encourage you to consider it, is we have what we call culture champions, which are just everyday employees. They're in sales, marketing, finance, et cetera. And on top of their day job, we give them the opportunity to advocate for our culture, which means they become an extension of our talent brand. They get to become like the pulse of the organization. And so what we've done at LinkedIn is we've heavily invested in spending time with individuals who raise their hand and say, we care deeply about our culture to really help us craft what we want it to be. Because even though LinkedIn's been around for 16 years, our culture is very classic. But it's had to evolve over time as we've gone from startup to hyper growth, being acquired, becoming an established company. And every single one of the companies that every one of us is part of, like it's always going to be a conversation, but it's always going to be moving. 
And so for those companies in progress, one of the biggest opportunities is to tap your employees and bring them into the conversation so they fuel the culture for you. Mm-hmm. But also to remember that culture doesn't only exist on the shoulders of one individual or one leader. It exists and permeates in every stage of that employee life cycle and every touch point. For companies that are in a space where maybe they're in progress or they've experienced some sort of setback culturally, yeah. would you say that it's the culture champions that are the right kind of the right kind of move? Or what other things could I do? as someone who's wanting to maybe rebuild after I've seen some a pain yeah. point in our onboarding process, for example. Yeah, I think there are ways for you to activate it just as an everyday individual. And I think that's part of what comes with like acting as an owner at any company that you're a part of. You could be on a team of 10. And if you see an opportunity to improve culture, or improve the experience, you can do that. It doesn't have to be at this global level or a corporate level. You can create impact right on your immediate team. But I think if you're looking organization-wide and if you're saying, like, where can the biggest bang for our buck and the shift come from, it's looking first at your CEO and leadership team. End of story. Like, if your CEO, your leaders, they're not walking the walk, they're just talking the talk, or they're not even talking, your employees know that. Like, they're picking up on it. And they're going to start demanding it because if they don't feel like there's an investment in people and culture at that company, there are dozens of other companies that know that it's a priority and they're figuring out how to invest in that space to become that employer of choice, but not just deli- not just set a promise, but really deliver on it as well through an exceptional employee experience. So I think first and foremost, your leaders, they have to start to close a belief gap if one exists. They have to have religion around culture and not just think it's important, but be ready to act on it. And then that action can come through like culture champions. It could come through like saying, we want to invest heavily in our onboarding or our learning and development. Or even if we're doing these things, and this is what I see a lot of times at very big established companies, they're doing all this stuff, but they're not messaging it. So employees don't realize that their company cares deeply about their investment. It's not packaged and branded in a way where employee can feel and sense and experience and communicate what their company offers them. So they don't usually have the opportunity to see it, let alone tap into it. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product, though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, We'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so... We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One.
I'm so glad you brought up the role that CEOs and leadership, senior leadership plays in culture. And, you know, something that we have defined here very strongly is yeah. our culture and values. Yeah. And I'd love to hear and, and, and have you share with our listeners what role our culture and pl- values play within building a culture. Amazing. Yeah. So here at LinkedIn, we have culture and values, and they're two different things that everybody knows about. And I'll share a little bit around what they are and then how they end up being executed. So it becomes a full experience. So our culture here at LinkedIn, we define it as who we are as well as who we aspire to be. So we don't want to live in a world of buzzwords where we say, we're collaborative, we're a place of transformation, etc. We're using those words, but it's not just because we believe in them, but we also know that we can constantly aspire to do it bigger, do it better. So our different uh, culture tenets, whether it be transformation, integrity, collaboration, humor, results, those five, we use those words to define ourselves, but we also say, what could collaboration look like at a next level? What does transformation mean for every individual? So there's this aspirational piece where you know that culture is not a set it and forget it, but you always need to be working and building and evolving. Our values are quite literally how we get work done and how we make decisions as a company. And that's where you take it from what could feel like a buzzword to true action that you can hold people accountable for. But it also becomes this bonding agent. So if I'm interacting with Jackie, I can say, Jackie, I love how you did that. It really speaks to the fact that relationships matter which is one of our values. I can say, Leah, I love how you problem solved around that and created a solution. It truly shows how members first your mindset is and your actions are, which again is another one of our values. So what we do is we have this language, but it's not just enough to like have it, to put it on a wall, to put it on a postcard, to send it in an email. You have to show and live and act it out. And the way that we do that at LinkedIn is we start to build it into our everyday language. We build it into our decision making. But then you can also see that it comes through in how you recognize and reward people because what gets rewarded gets repeated. So if you start to call out examples of what's working, you get to see it come to life. Equally, when you see like that was not a member's first or that wasn't done in a way where you feel like you were acting like an owner or whatever it might be, you equally have the opportunity to call it out without it feeling personal. Personal, but it laddering up and back to this bigger picture. So that's a little bit around where it starts. And then I think what you do is just you onboard your teams, you invest in your managers, and culture needs to be messaged as well as executed in every single element of that. Because otherwise, the people that you're bringing in and the individuals you're promoting don't understand how to live or lead through those culture and values. So that's a gap that you can't miss. What I love about what you mentioned is this idea of sort of culture being a practice. Yeah. Right? It's not like you Mm. said something you put on a postcard or sent an email. It is a practice daily that your team is thinking about. Uh, And I love the phrase, what's rewarded gets repeated. That's going to stick with me forever, um, just in life. It's important. Um, But that idea of continuing to reward what works well Mm. uh, and continuing to practice towards these. I also think it's important to share that, you know, LinkedIn has our our challenges, right, as a company with culture. And there are there are so many places that we still want to go. So yeah. I like the idea of kind of thinking of the, um, you know, the culture or the, sorry, the values really around um, this kind of mission vision sort of yeah. dance, right? In the same way that we think about our big mission, our big vision, sorry. And then we yeah. actually take our mission and say, how do we put these things into action every day? Yes. Yeah. 
something that's been talked about uh, by Jeff Weiner, who is our CEO since I can remember having been here for eight years, is yeah. is compassion. Mm. Um, he talks a lot about what it means to manage compassionately, and in fact, he was you know in New York not too long ago speaking about that as well, and and talking about the fact that there's a difference between empathy and compassion, yeah. and really that empathy is is understanding how someone feels, but then compassion is understanding how they feel enough so that you can still go and help them move forward or move up, yeah. right? So it's not going deep into their experience so that you can't help them either, but it's kind of lifting them up. And compassion permeates through LinkedIn's culture as a conversation we have all the time. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious from your vision, you know, what does compassion mean in our culture uh, and why is it important? Honestly, for me, I think compassion is the game changer. And I've never heard of the word compassion used in a workplace until I started at LinkedIn. And I think, again, I started by saying, like, your culture is your differentiator. And I think compassion is part of what drives through every element of that. It's a personal experience. It's a team experience. It's a community experience. It's a global experience. And I think what it does is it references the fact that we're all people and humans. And we show up every day and we're doing work and we're creating results. But at the core, we're people who need to be able to engage and interact beyond titles and beyond levels and look and interact just as humans and peers. And when I think about compassion and what's so powerful about it and how it really permeates through our culture is that it's the responsibility of everyone. So I moved into a people manager role about a year ago. But before that, I was both a junior and or a senior individual contributor at LinkedIn. And acting and operating with compassion was just as much my responsibility as it is now as a leader of five on a global team. And I think when you think about compassion, it's like you were saying, Leah, there's this element of action that you take. Like we're not here to be passive individuals. We're not here to play in our lane or our silo. We are here to spread our arms as wide as possible and to create value for as many people as possible. And I think that's why LinkedIn is so unique in many ways. And what I think a lot of companies, like it exists, it just needs to be met messaged and built. Compassion can look and have different terms at different places, but it allows us to stay a flat organization because it means that you don't have to like have a particular title to lead or operate or make decisions in an impactful way. It means that we're one of those places where you can be really transparent because you know that somebody's going to meet you with compassion. So it exists everywhere and it really helps drive our decisions. And this is what I'm talking about with like you have to let culture evolve. Like it can not be these key terms that you use because mm -hmm. compassion doesn't sit as one as our of our culture tenants mm -hmm. or our value statements, but it's probably one of the most used words to describe LinkedIn. And belonging is another one. Gratitude is another one. And so you don't have to change your culture terms completely, but what gets rewarded gets repeated. And what that means is that if you keep acknowledging that was compassionate leadership, that's hopefully what people continue to do. And it changes the organization. Mm, and, and it really goes in line with the CEO really fielding that yeah. in terms of Jeff Weiner, our CEO, is known as the compassionate leader. Mm -hmm. So really from the top down. Um, I want to pivot just a little bit, to, but to really bring us forward to what we see in the future, but yeah. almost to take us back for a moment. You know, some of the research that we saw through that article was about those four different shifts in the workplace. And I'm just wondering if you can touch on maybe one of them, um, maybe the office design and layout, because we've, yeah. we've talked a lot about the people.
people side of it, which is so important and what you said is the most important thing in terms of infiltration of culture. But how does maybe office design and layout play play a role in that um, or diversity in the workplace or flattening of organizations you choose or technology? Yeah, I'll start with the one that you mentioned, which is the workplace design, because I think it's the most fascinating because it's one of those things you walk into an environment and you have no idea how much an environment impacts you until you step outside of it or until you're in a different space. And something that I've seen LinkedIn do really well that I've seen a lot of other companies do is they've really started to model the environment to not only reflect the culture, but also the results that you want. So if we say we want to be a collaborative organization, if we know in order to drive results as an organization, we need people to constantly be walking around, communicating, speaking across teams, the environment that you create, that's right in the middle of that. And that will help determine your beginning, your middle, and your end. And so what I've seen LinkedIn and a lot of companies do is just start to rethink How does work get done and how can we make it even more exciting and accessible to get work done faster, smarter, making people more productive and successful? And so things like an open floor layout, which can seem a little bit jarring at first, it promotes this essence of collaboration. Actually designing the environment to where you have these more casual opportunities to run into each other allows you to make sure that relationships matter and that they're being built into how interactions and work get done. And investment in the workspace is something that should never be overlooked because that's where everything happens. Like you wouldn't expect to like buy a home and then never deck it out in a way that it's comfortable and unique to you. It's the same thing that you need to do with your workplace and also allowing people to drive their personality through it. So it feels like home. It feels like a comfortable space and not this temporary environment that holds them for the time being. So it's been fun as I've spoken to a lot of different companies and I do a lot of tours of LinkedIn in our New York office. It's really fun to see what people react to because it's really simple things, like even how many outlets we have in so many random places as an office. Like you won't think about that, but it allows you to work from anywhere and not just feel confined to your desk. Like the inviting nature, the warm tones that you create allow people to say, I'm going to stop and interact with you here instead of feeling like we're in this very corporate, sometimes hostile work environment when I have a tough discussion I need to have. I can do it in a more cozy, comfortable place. Mm -hmm. So there's a big shift that's happening, and I think it's the right shift. And there's so many resources and great examples out there to see how people are bringing personality into the workplace. Because it shouldn't only represent work, but it should also represent the personality of your organization. Yeah, something that you've called out a couple times that I keep kind of stopping on that's really important is there's a quote out there that says, we are not thinking beings that feel, we are feeling beings that think. Mm. And it, it, as we talk about culture, it's coming, you know, coming clearer to me that a lot of culture and thought process around business is designed around the idea that we are thinking beings yeah. that then feel. But the reality is we're already all feeling yeah. and we turn on our brains that yeah. we can come to work every day. So there's sort this sort of switch that it feels like LinkedIn has made to, to put that first. Yeah, absolutely. And I think about that all the time as an employee experience leader whose job is to create experiences. The first thing I say to any team member or one of my culture champions when they're going to design something, I say, how are they going to use all five senses? Mm -hmm. Like, what are they going to see, feel? Like, what are they going to touch? What are they going to remember? And that then drives it to be not just a moment, but a true experience. That's incredible. So I'm going to bring us home. Uh, You know, it's funny, Jackie, you started talking about 
how work used to be. And a lot of things that you talked about are similar to the things that I saw in an article around how work is going to be. And so, you know, Noelle, I think what we what we're curious about is, you know, what are you thinking about when you think about the future of work? Mm. What's coming down the line? A couple of things we read about, uh, you know, in our article is a Fast Company article about what, what work will look like in 2030. Things around inclusion and diversity. You mentioned, you know, yeah. belonging earlier, um, communication skills as, you know, people become more remote and right work becomes more convenient and flexible, upskilling employees, so people wanting to remain relevant. And then lastly, workplace space. So to Jackie's question about the the past and kind of how we bring that into today. So I'm curious if those resonate or if there are other oh, things you're, you're waiting for. I think for me and my team, one of the biggest things that we're thinking about, and a lot of companies are probably doing the same, is this distributed workforce. Like companies are growing as much as people are investing in the design of the workplace, which is critical. We need to create experiences for employees who are remote and aren't next to their teams every day to make sure they can still collaborate, communicate, and feel the culture. And that's probably the biggest thing that we're focusing on right now. As we continue to grow and scale as a company, how do we make sure that our culture is moving with that? But also as we aren't able to make eye contact with employees on a daily basis, how do we make sure that when they're working from a remote home or they're not next to their team every day, they can still feel and see the culture and they don't have any less of an employee experience. Awesome. And that's really just providing as much as the same experience for every single person, regardless of where they are. Exactly. which Which is beautiful. Any final thoughts for our viewers before we wrap this up today? Any advice or anything you want to share? I think for all the listeners, anybody who cares about culture, the biggest thing to remember is that everyone is in a role to become a culture champion. And everyone is capable about moving the needle and making work an even better place to work, whether it's for your immediate team, a full organization, or a global company. You don't have to have a title or a role or a budget to do it. You just have to have the passion. And that leads to creating these positions of opportunity. So I encourage everybody, if they're passionate about culture and making work even better, to think of at least one thing that they can do that will really help give employees or their immediate team time to pause, take a breath, and invest in themselves. Because we're doing a lot of great work Mm -hmm. wherever we are, but we should make sure that we're pausing and creating experiences as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming. I feel like I have learned so much more just about the the ins and outs of how we feel about culture at LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I feel it every day, but mm-hmm. to really sit here and listen to you has changed the way I'm thinking about it, too. Yeah, sure I agree. Too. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your experience with our listeners. I know there were just some beautiful nuggets that everyone can take from what you shared today. So thank you so much for coming on board and joining us in the arena. Beautiful. Thank you for having me. This was a treat. Awesome. And for our listeners, thanks for joining us on this journey. As you know, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, in the arena, LinkedIn, and we are looking forward to seeing you next time. See you next time.